Welcome to Conversations with Mayu Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. We are bilingual speakers and want to bring value to both the English and Spanish-speaking communities. Some shows will have a Spanish label when we have a Spanish-only speaking guest. Let's learn and grow together. My guest today is Ivana Radojevic. She has seven years of digital marketing and communication experience, most of it in a high-growth startup environment. Her current passion project is called Merchant Mastery, which she is going to tell us all about in a minute. If you've been thinking about opening your own online store, or maybe you're wondering what it's like to work in a startup company, this is an episode you will not want to miss. Let's dive in. Hello, Ivana. Welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Ah, uh, that's so awesome. For everyone out there listening, can you give us a little background about yourself? Yeah. So um, I work in a Shopify partner agency. So we specialize in e-commerce sales and marketing. So every day I work with Shopify merchants. It's um, part of my job that I really, really enjoy is getting to meet all these different merchants. And um, I specialize in email, affiliate and influencer and SMS marketing. So that's kind of what I would coach merchants on. And then I work with um, three other coaches who you know, specialize in offer strategy, website optimizations and ads, of course. So um, that's kind of the background of what I do today. I also work on the agency side as well. So we have the Merchant Mastery, the incubator side of it. And then our agency is called Socialite. So I'm kind of in the middle of both worlds. But right now, wow. I would say 85% of my day to day is just focusing strictly on Merchant Mastery and working with merchants. All about marketing. Love it. <laughs> Can you talk a little more about what Merchant Mastery is? Yeah, so we call ourselves a online incubator um, specifically for Shopify store owners. So we offer a eight week co coaching and uh, training mm. program that teaches merchants about um, essentially the four pillars that we focus on our offers, ads, website optimization and email strategy. Um, and then we're in the process of adding in some new stuff like SMS marketing, which is really up and coming right now and you know snapchat uh, advertising pinterest advertising all these different things um but we also have a weekly coaching program on the merchant mastery side so we coach it kind of varies week to week but usually on average we have about 25 to 30 merchants or so that come to wow. the coaching programs and then that's their opportunity to ask questions and it's just like this really great little like idea incubator it's really amazing how many things come out of that and i learn from the merchants that we work with every Every single day so it's it's really cool oh that's awesome I used to be a, a web designer oh nice 
That was many, many months ago. <laughs> I was going to say, we got to get you on some of those websites. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But now I'm a photographer and I tell stories in a different way. But definitely those skills serve me well. <laughs> How did you get started in e-commerce? And I would love to get your perspective on how do you think the role of women in e-commerce has changed over the past six, seven years that you've been working in the e-commerce space? Because I remember back in 2003, and I'm going way back, women in technology was very hard. I was talking to someone um, not too long ago, and she said that we had made some progress. Yeah, so we, you know, I've been with the agency now for over six years, and we had, you know, a few kind of e-commerce clients here and there when we first started. But we, so we're based for a little bit more background. Uh, we're based in Edmonton, Alberta. So we are oil and gas. Like this is what our bread and butter is here in Alberta. And so when we, you know, over like six years ago, when I joined the agency, we still had like B2B clients. We did a lot of like lead generation and that kind of stuff. And then we started shifting towards e-commerce kind of by getting like more clients in the e-commerce space. And we really saw the opportunity in e-commerce and that's where we, we connected with Shopify and became a Shopify partner. Mm-hmm. And then we switched to exclusively just working with e-commerce um, merchants probably I would say like about four-ish years ago and honestly if we still had the number of like b2b clients that we had six years ago when the pandemic hit we would have been in some you know hot water just because of course you know everything started shutting down marketing is usually one of the first things that gets cut from businesses so we were really lucky in that sense that we were in e-commerce and then things just kind of blew up from there because all these brick and mortar stores were coming to us needing to get online right away because their doors were closed and they didn't have an alternate sales channel so i think with covid a lot of these businesses realized that if they have just a brick and mortar location, it might not be a bad idea to also be online, just at the very least as like a plan B in case, you know, there's a global pandemic and you can't operate. Um, But to answer your second question about women in tech, I think, you know, I didn't really pay too, too much attention to it six years ago, to be honest. And, um, but, but I think now there is some kind of, women in the e-commerce space that I also look up to and learn from all the time. Uh, I would say it is probably still like a little skewed towards like more, more males in the industry, but honestly, I see that changing. I see that changing day to day. And uh, I think that's one of the things I really like about working in the e-commerce space is it's so accessible to a lot of different, a lot of different people. Do you think that it's because women are like somehow, um, afraid of being uh, on a male-dominated industry? Yeah, I think it does. I don't don't know if I don't know if they're afraid or if maybe they're just not heard as much. I think different personalities might shine a little bit more if you're a little bit more outspoken. But of course, you know, sometimes if a woman is like really outspoken and she speaks her mind, then, you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, well, like, you know, she, they'll call her like the B word or whatever, right? Like she's, then it's a negative thing. So it's like, okay, well, what is, what is a happy medium here? I think at the end of the day, you just, you just have to be yourself. And I do find that the women that I have learned from in this space and that I look up to in this space, they are, 
not necessarily, you know, they're very different. Like some, some are really extroverted, some are more introverted, but at the end of the day, they're all, they're entrepreneurs, they're doing their thing. They have successful businesses. So I don't know that it's necessarily like one specific kind of personality type or type of woman that would succeed in e-commerce. I think it's more what you, what you do with what you have. Yes, that's for sure. And not being afraid of showing up authentically being yourself. And what's important is what you bring to the table. Speaking of table, <laughs> what are some of the challenges that come with being the only female at the decision-making table? And how did you overcome those challenges? Because I remember when I used to work for this nonprofit, I was the only female on, actually, I was the only employee for that nonprofit. And it was really hard to get my ideas across sometimes because all the board of directors were men. And it was really hard sometimes to get my ideas across. It was like I was constantly fighting. <laughs> uh, not all the time, but most of the time. I think it's more so, you know, the, the way like I look at life as a woman, it's probably a little bit, actually, it's quite a bit different than, you know, some of like my male colleagues. They're just things that they just wouldn't think about. And I don't blame them for it because there's things I don't think about on account of like not having had their experience. So I like that we can right. learn from each other, but, you know, just some of the things that, you know, come up around, like, you know, like having to take like maternity leave or something like that. Like, I feel if there wasn't, you know, like a woman around the table, that's not necessarily maybe the first thing that they would think about just because, you know, it's just not something that would, that would cross their mind. And again, it's not right. like a negative thing or a malicious thing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just, our lived experiences are very different. So I definitely see the value in having kind of a mixture of not just whether it's like male, female, or, you know, whatever you identify as, but also different like ages. Like not everybody at the leadership table has to be like over 50 and have worked in the right. industry for like 30 years, because I think there's a lot of value that somebody who's younger could add as well. So I really just yes. like seeing diversity around the table. And uh, I, I just think, if you have a room full of people that are exactly the same and think exactly the same and they're, you know, like have the same view of the world, then you don't really get those other viewpoints that you would get if you have, you know, a little bit more diversity around the table. So I think at least like with my colleagues, they are very open about when I do raise any issues or anything like that, they will listen. They don't just like shut down or, or anything like that. And I think in most cases, they're also very thankful because it really isn't necessarily something that they have thought about. So I think it's just, you have to be, you know, you're there to represent a certain, certain, you know, um, experiences or beliefs or whatever it is. And, and I think it is okay to be outspoken about that and raise your voice because like I said, you shouldn't just assume that somebody would think the same way that you think. So you might be surprised if you actually say something. It will be awesome that one day we come to that balance of not thinking on, in terms of men versus women, just people bringing ideas together. Like you said, women think differently, men think differently. And that's the beauty because we can all build something amazing. And like you were saying, young people bring good things to the table. All yeah. people bring good things to the table and we should all look up to each other. Exactly. I think as long as there is like mutual respect, you can mm -hmm. definitely have a discussion. And I like having those discussions because I always learn something new from them. Right. So how is it like to work in a high growth startup environment? Because a lot of people think, oh, a uh, uh, startup company, you know, that must be 
fun. Um, we eat pizza all day or <laughs> they're all young and, you know, like working for Google or something. People have those type of ideas. So what is it like? And there's ping pong tables everywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah. Beanbag chairs, the works. Um, so we, you know, when I started with with the agency, we were a lot more startup-y, I will say, than we are now. We've definitely established a lot more systems and processes, which that is a part of kind of working at a startup that has been very education educational for me because just being able to be a part of building those systems and building processes and you know switching gears and learning things and adjusting your path as you go it can be very stressful but the amount that i have learned i honestly think that in the last 6 years i have packed easily doubled that amount of experience into just those 6 years just being able to take part in in some of those things um but i would say in terms of what it's like to work uh, to work at a startup you know, the first thing you kind of have to keep in mind is that it's usually a very lean operation. So you wear many different hats. You're not just, you know, for me, I'm the program director of, of Merchant Mastery, but that's not the only thing I do. I'm not just kind of looking at broad KPIs and kind of managing a team. I do a lot of the stuff myself still too, which I actually enjoy because sometimes you get a little rusty if you don't do things and then you, you do it and you're like, oh, wow, like this, it's been a minute since I've, you know, run an ad or uploaded a blog or something like that. Um, so definitely you would wear a lot of different hats. It's very fast paced, which means like things are constantly switching. Things are constantly moving. You might be, you know, putting out some fires here or there. Uh, it's very self-directed too. So you definitely have to be somebody who's motivated by yourself. Like there's not somebody who's micromanaging you and looking over your shoulder and, you know, double checking your work 10 times. That doesn't happen. You put something out and it's on you. Like you're accountable for that. If it right. comes back because there's a mistake or anything like that, well, you know, your boss is going to come to you and be like, what, what happened? So I think you're very autonomous and you get to take a lot of responsibility for what you put out. You get to really be a part of like putting out new ideas and, and kind of with the, like determining the direction of the company as well, which I think you don't get in a lot of bigger organizations just because of the nature of the beast. So I do think, you know, if you're somebody who really likes like systems and processes and structure and having, you know, kind of somebody who's there looking over your work and double checking things, then you might not get that in, in a startup right. environment, but the experience that you get, I think is very um, applicable to anywhere you go after that. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. It's like being your own, your own boss, like yeah. that becomes your business. If you look at it that way, when it becomes your business, you grow more. Exactly. It's having the growth mindset, you know, what's your number one tip for or some tips that you might have for young professionals or women solopreneurs aspiring to work in an e-commerce or they might want to launch um, their own online store. How can they get started? So one thing that I think anybody that's trying to get into e-commerce should know about e-commerce is that it's not a static thing. It's constantly changing. So, you know, you might 
install something one day and the next day it's not relevant anymore or you need to update it or you know like apple's coming up with all these new privacy features which are throwing our ads and our emails like now now we're trying to figure out okay how are we going to track things like how are we going to retarget all these apple users and 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 track them if they're able to opt out so that obviously changes things quite a bit for us and that happens all the time like honestly at least like annually something something happens where you're trying to like adjust course so i would say just be able to like be aware of that you might have to like pivot it's not a set it and forget it It, you're you're constantly like going in and like looking at things and checking things um but for anybody that like wants to start a store or wants to launch a store uh the first step is just get in there get into if you're using shopify or or whatever other like there's other platforms there's like woocommerce magento like shopify is by no means the only one it's just the one that i know best but uh you know get get in there and and start building it start playing around with it you know we like I've worked with merchants that maybe don't necessarily consider themselves tech savvy, but they're able to figure these things out. And, and there is, you know, programs and there's like so much stuff on YouTube and so many online courses and mm-hmm. things that you can take to teach yourself how to do this. If you have the money and you want to hire somebody, you can do that too, of course. But I think if you're just getting started, getting in there and playing around with it yourself is probably going to be the way that you can learn the most right away. And that's just the actual like online sales engine side of it. There's a whole other side of, you know, figuring out how, where you're going to get a supplier and then getting like your first product and then ordering, figuring out what quantities you need to order and waiting for that shipment. Where are you going to store all this stuff? Like, is your apartment just going to be stacked with boxes? You know, it, it, these are all things like your inventory, your like shipping, what does your packaging look like? Like all these different things that go into it. But I think if you look Look at it kind of if you step out and you look at how much work there is, it might be intimidating and you might say, like, right. this is much. so just bite off like little chunks here and there. And but bit by bit, you're going to be able to, to build it. So it's just a matter of like get started somewhere and don't be afraid by how much there is to do. Yeah. And maybe people get intimidated because of that and they just don't start or they give up. Exactly. Exactly. And I hear that all the time too. And, and it's just you just got to start somewhere. And then go from there. Yeah. The key is not giving up and don't get intimidated. <laughs> exactly. Okay. This has nothing to do with e-commerce. What is your perception of beauty? I think for me, it's really, I mean, I know this probably sounds corny, but it really is about like somebody's personality and who they are as a person. I really look at somebody's like values and how much they're able to stand by those values, even when things get a little bit squirrely, a little bit difficult, but they're still able to like stick and stand by what they stand for as a person. And I think just like being a good person, being kind, not taking advantage of people, not, you know, kind of cheating and scamming your way through things. I think that to me is what makes a really beautiful person. And if they happen to come in, you know, a nice exterior package too, that's just an added bonus, but that also differs from person to person. What I think might be beautiful is different than what somebody else might be. So who might've like set the standard of physical beauty, but I think it starts, it definitely starts internally. Let's talk about body image. I believe this is one of the reasons we sabotage ourselves and slow down our growth. If someone saw you, they will probably think, well, that's easy for her to say because she looks like a model. (laughs) You too look like a model. Thank you. Um, But then again, you know, it goes back to what society or the media tell us of what beauty or your body should look like. 
Did you ever struggle with body image issues and how did you overcome those challenges? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Yes, I would be lying if I said I didn't. Um, you know, when I was younger, I was a bit of a chubbier kid, for sure. Uh, it was kind of it wasn't until I hit puberty that I sort of just like started growing in height and not expanding like width wise anymore. Like I seemed to be all my childhood. I was just like this like, chubby little kid. But I, I especially remember one, you know, one time when we my sister and I were playing with like our neighbor, the neighbor's kids and we were playing in the backyard and they had created this like little Tarzan swing that you like swing off of this little ledge off a tree and then you swing and whatever you land on the grass. And it was just like little, like, you know, pieces of wood that they had like gathered from the forest around and to make this little plank that you jump off of. And all the other kids went and then I went and, and the stupid wood broke underneath me. So I broke the thing for like oh everybody. God. The game was over. And I remember like one of like the neighbor's boys, he was like, oh my goodness, like, you know, you're so fat. You broke the, you broke the swing. And like this happened. I mean, I would have been maybe nine at the time, but it's still like ingrained in my memory. And it's just crazy that that's even something I would remember because I don't remember a lot of other things from like when I was nine. But that specific moment is just like ingrained in my memory. And I think I think that might happen to like a lot of people where it just like there's like few moments in life that you remember where you really were like, like, am I overweight? Like, well, you know, what's going on? Because as a kid, you just you're just having fun. You don't even pay attention to that. But uh, yeah. And then when I hit puberty, I kind of I guess, grew into myself or however, however you want to say that, but that kind of internal feeling of like, you know, maybe I am overweight never really goes away until I think you get to a point where you really do have to accept, you know, this is, this is the body I have. If you want to change it and you can change it, there are things you, you can do. And then, you know, of course, barring that you have any medical conditions or anything like that. But I think for me, I incorporated exercise into my routine from when I kind of first started playing sports, I played soccer, I played volleyball, I did track, I did all these different things. And now I still exercise. Like it's, it's part of my routine. Now it's actually something that like gives me energy. It makes me feel good. Um, and then of course the side effect of that is that I'm able to like maintain what makes me feel good in my own body. But I think especially with age, like you get to a point where you're like, you know, I just, I want to, I want to eat. Like I, I want to eat what I want to eat. If I want to have, you know, the cheesecake or whatever, I want to eat that and then not have to like hit a treadmill and run for an hour just to like not feel bad about having eaten that cheesecake. And it's constantly like, it's still like a daily thing that I work on. I'm by no means perfect. And there are days still when I'm like, nothing fits good. Like, you know, but in the grander scheme of things, I would say I am the most comfortable that I've probably ever been in my body now, but I've also started caring a little bit less. If that, if that makes sense, like, I don't care about like really impressing other people anymore. I care about being healthy. And that's one of the main things that I'm always thankful for every day is like, you know, as long as I have my health, I can, I can work, I can, you know, go out and have fun. I can do all these different things, but I have to like take care of my, of my health first. And that's really ultimately why, why I do it now. But you just, you, you get to a point where, like I said, I don't know if it's just like exhaustion of constantly just like questioning yourself or looking in the mirror or or if it just gets to like, really, you get to a point of acceptance where you're really okay with who you are. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And you know, women should never be ashamed of who they are or what they 
their bodies look like. And it's okay if you want to change something. Um, I believe it becomes a problem when we start comparing ourselves to other women. Either we are too young or too old, too short or too tall. We need to love each other for who we are and know that if you can do something and be successful, I can do it as well. You just need to take action. It has nothing to do with your bodies or yeah. your looks. Yeah, exactly. Just because you look a certain way, you know, doesn't mean you can't perform a job any better than somebody who's, I don't know, weighs like less or weighs more than you or looks different or whatever the case may be. And if that is the case, then that's probably not the right company to work in anyways, because if they're judging you based off of that, there, yes. there, there's something, something off there. Yeah. I love this question. Being unapologetically you to me means being true to who you are and what you believe in. In other words, not seeking approval for showing up authentically in order to blend in. Is there anything that you are going to stop apologizing for or something that you stopped apologizing for that helped you level up in your career? I, so I I am a very outspoken person. You know, if it's something that I very much believe in, I have no problem piping up, even though I am very much an introvert. I I will sit there quietly. Sometimes I don't say anything, but if it's something I feel very strongly about, I will come out and say it. And sometimes that gets, you know, I've been told that it comes up very blunt that, you know, I'm too, like, I need to soften my delivery on things or, you know, that, that I, maybe I need to be like a little bit more, I guess, emotionally sensitive. And I don't know if it's, you know, from my upbringing, I'm sure has something to do with it or, just who I am as a person, but it's like, that's, that's how I talk. And like anybody who knows me knows that I don't mean any, any harm by it. Obviously if somebody who doesn't know me, they might be like taken aback. Like, Whoa, she's coming off like you know a little bit too blunt or that delivery was like a little too strong, but I don't beat around the bush. Like I don't believe in walking or taking 20 minutes to say something that's going to take me two minutes to say to you just because I'm trying to avoid hurting your feelings, because I don't think I do you any favors either, especially in like, a professional setting it's not going for you you know like especially for people that like are are maybe younger than me or are mentoring or whatever the case may be I don't think it does them any favors if I'm trying to sugarcoat things because the world's not going to sugarcoat things for you so I I, I've you know thought about that and thought okay maybe like I need to be like a little bit softer in my delivery of certain things or maybe you know I don't want to hurt people's feelings but now it's I just I don't want to say I don't care, but my intentions aren't bad. So it's that, that that's just, that's who I am. That's how I talk. That's who I am as a person. And if I'm actually genuinely like upset about something, or if I'm genuinely trying, like being mean about something, you'll know, like, trust me, you'll know the difference between when right. I say something because I want to help or contribute to a situation. And when I say something, because I'm genuinely upset. So I think it, that that's been the biggest part for me where it's just like, that that's, that's just who I am. So you know, take it or leave it. Yes, I love it. So let's talk about confidence because you seem like a very confident woman. <laughs> what will you? What would be your advice for someone who's lacking confidence to follow their dreams or maybe they've been thinking about opening an online store but don't feel like they have what it takes to launch their own store or follow their dreams? <laughs> well, thank you. 
I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said, you know, I was always confident. I definitely wasn't. And there's still things, you know, sometimes that come up that you don't always feel confident in. But I think anything, especially like, like to give you exa- an example, public speaking for me, I hate it. Mm. In school, any presentations, anything like that, like my palms would get sweaty. I would like my voice would start quivering. My chin would start quivering. It was just I hated doing it. But with my job now, I'm in front of the camera a lot. You know, I'm presenting a lot in front of like different audiences. And the only way to get over that was to actually just go in and do it as scary as that was. And now when I look back at my first ever presentation, not my best work, but it, they got progressively better. And that's what I'm looking for is, you know, are, am I getting better with each, every time that I present? And now I'm very calm. Like I'm very confident in doing that because I've done it so much, but if I'd never taken Mm. that first step to actually put myself out of my comfort zone, I would have never gotten here. So, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things is you have to try things that are out of your comfort zone. And what I actually found works really well. And I think I've read this in a bunch of like books too, but if I'm trying to pipe myself up for something or like hype myself up, I do talk to myself in like third person. So in my head, I'd be like, you know, like even though you got this, like you're going to crush this, don't worry about it. Even if I'm like working out, I'm so tired. I, you know, I've got like the last little bit to run, like in my head, I'm talking to myself in third person, like, girl, you got this, just keep going. So as crazy as it sounds, I'm obviously not doing that out loud, but if I find talking to yourself, a third person in your head is almost like you have an extra like that little fan in your corner who's like encouraging you but it comes from internally so that's that's one tip that's worked for me I don't know if it'll it'll work for your listeners but I don't know maybe maybe give it a shot and if you want to do it out loud who cares do it out loud doesn't matter what what people think so (laughs) yeah I I do that too it's like yes you can do it you can do it and if I walk through um, by a mirror it's like yes you can do it you got it (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even like I, I heard that, like if you stand in front of the mirror before you met, like going up to present or anything and you put your hands like on your hips and you're just standing in the mirror, staring at yourself in this power stance. I don't know. Apparently it's supposed to translate into what, yeah. when you actually like go and do that. So I don't know, maybe that, maybe that works too. But yeah, I think talking to myself in third person has definitely helped a lot. It's funny how the mind works. It's, it's all psychological. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ivana, for all the knowledge that you share with us today. Links to all your social media and website and where they can find your courses will be provided on the show notes of this episode. And by the way, congratulations on your engagement. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that is something exciting that happened this summer. So yeah. Thank you so much, Ivana, for being here with us today. Thank you. This has been really, really fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at MyeLens and on Facebook page Conversations with MyeLens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.